You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, and it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of the Two and Out CFL podcast as we get to the end of week seven of the Canadian Football League 2023 season. I'm Travis Curra. He's Brazilian Ty. We've got to hurry and get through this, man. It is Shark Week. I got a PVR to watch. I have a PVR full of WWE rivals, Broken <laughs> Skull, and uh, the other the one WWE Most Wanted Treasures? That one. All yeah, the my PVR. Yeah, my. <laughs> My PVR is full, and all I did today was watch nine hours of football because I had to catch up because of the stupid Pacific time zone. <laughs> now, if the CFL does get to ten teams, you can't have it in Atlanta, Canada. It can't. It can't work. Well, now think about it. Like they would have to be at like three Pacific for a Thursday and a Friday game, right? Yeah. Whew. Because if you do it at seven o'clock. Atlantic, like, well, yeah. What's the point? Like, yeah, it's a gate-driven league, but TSN's not going to like. The numbers will be terrible on TV. Yeah, some interesting things to consider there. Maybe uh, that's why there's some Quebec City rumblings. Although I do want to see uh, the schooners be a thing. That's for sure. Um, so some... I think I think it would just have to be no weekday games. Yeah. They would have. They would be playing. They'd be playing Saturdays and Sundays all year. Just imagine the complaining on. Uh, Sorry, on, I guess enough. it's. I guess it's not Twitter. It's it's X. Is that what it is as of uh, Monday? Yeah, but I will say Sunday four p.m. starts are dumb. Pacific, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, just just you don't need a late afternoon start on a Sunday. Nah, I like, do it, one o'clock. I don't want to be up until nine thirty recording this podcast. Oh, I want to go one to bed. o'clock. I'm still like, sleeping. Especially, so. <laughs> especially, yeah, and especially after after that game last night, durs and snares. I don't feel great today. <laughs> Man, I uh, I got out of bed at about one thirty, and then I went to the couch and slept till four. And then I woke why, up and made why am I not surprised? Football, so. <laughs> I'm okay if they had like a 9.30 mountain start. Anyway, (laughs) the Montreal Alouettes have signed Sean Lemon and released Nick Usher. It's kind of a wonder that Sean Lemon was uh, not on a CFL roster this deep into the season. And if you listen to the post-game call-in shows in Saskatchewan, they've been crying about Sean Lemon for the past three weeks. Well, that's not going to happen as he goes to Montreal. The Riders do sign a new defensive back, though. Tremaine Washington is going to Saskatchewan once upon a time. He led the league in interceptions with Edmonton. I think recently he was in the USFL, but now he's going to Saskatchewan. There's some off-season or off-the-field transactions that will become on the field as uh, the weeks go on here. But Week 7 started in Winnipeg as the Bombers beat the Elks 28-14. Now, it all depends when you locked in your bet here, but the week opened up as the Bombers being 15.5-point favorites. Yeah. Uh, you, you could have bet the Elks there and did all right. <laughs> yeah, you would, yeah, if you would have locked that in Monday morning, you were laughing, but by the time kickoff happened, it was 14 and a half. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> they got that bang on. <laughs> yeah, you got lucky. Or well, sorry, it, was, it closed at 13 and a half. Yeah, it did. It was at 14 and a half closed, yeah. when we recorded Wednesday. And yeah, then, and then 13 yeah. and a half when, it, when kickoff happened. So, Talk I mean, bang it barely on. covered. Yeah. <laughs> now, Bomber fans probably a little bit worried after this game, just like they were after the Ottawa game. Elks fans, like, maybe a little bit encouraged, but sort of the same old story. They're, they're kind of hanging around in the first half, and then the second half, mistakes just pile up, and it's too much to overcome. Like the, But there has to be something said about the Bomber O-line here. Jeff Gray gets benched. 
Uh, Liam Dobson gets in, I think, the first-round pick in 2021. And Chris Jones ends up dressing, I think it was 90 linemen. And they were rotating all game mm-hmm. and getting pressure all game. And there was no running game from the Bombers until the fourth quarter. So, that, I mean, that happens in football games sometimes. But they were giving that Bomber O-line a lot of trouble, man. Yeah, and we've talked about it a lot this year where that O-line does not look like the O-line yeah. of old. Claros just doesn't have the same amount of time that he that he's used to in the last two, three seasons. Um whether that's age or, or teams figuring it out, uh, you know, like the guys on the defensive side of the ball get paid too. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much of a worry it is, but it's when the team is rotating nine defensive linemen, it makes it a little easier to, to get those pressures because guys just stay so fresh. Yeah. And that had to be their strategy going into mm-hmm. it. And, you know, you thought, I thought maybe they would struggle uh, with stopping the run. Jamin Pelly injured, Niles Morgan injured, but the replacements come in and the Elks defense did okay and kind of kept them in the game. Um, but again, for Taylor Cornelius, this is 11 games in a row. The Elks have lost. Uh, they're 20 in a row at home. I've, we see a lot of quarterbacks tie where there's zero patience. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know. I, I thought I saw the stat that he's like four and 22 in his CFL career. Not yep. many guys are given that kind of opportunity. That kind of, I, I feel like he is what he is. I, I think it, like he's got a hell of an arm. Like we know he can throw the deep ball. It's decision-making. It's, you know, the susceptibility to making mistakes because he does that too much. He throws, ter- he makes terrible decisions, throws bad picks. He almost threw another one while he was getting he sacked the, again. Yeah, the, the flip that away was, kind of thing. Like, I, I understand not, not wanting to take the sack, but you, you, like that's just, it's just an accident waiting to happen. Um, I, I, they're kind of in, in, in kind of stuck with him right now just because they paid him. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what Trey Ford did or or whose wife he hooked up with, <laughs> but he, I don't understand why he's not getting a shot. This doesn't make any sense to me. Like he said, four and twenty-two at the, like at this point, he says that Coach Jones just said he gives him the best chance to win football games when they're zero and seven. What are we talking about? No, I. Sometimes the receivers don't help them. I get that. Sometimes the offensive line doesn't help them. I, mm-hmm. I get that as well. It's it's hard to throw around. He, Willie he makes Jefferson his and, yes, but he makes so many mistakes on his own. Yeah, like he could play a bit smarter. Some of those, it's like getting sacked and you throw the ball and with your left hand. Yeah, like stuff like that. You just can't do that at this stage. No. Um, he did early on was using his legs, and the Bombers were kind of struggling containing Mm -hmm. that. They struggled with that against Ottawa as well. He had 57 yards rushing, uh, 17-29 with uh, a touchdown, but it's that that two interceptions that Mm -hmm. those continue to come, and uh, (laughs) that's why the losses just continue to happen for the Elks. But I guess a bright spot is Dylan Mitchell. I think some big expectations and he himself said uh, 2,000 yards in uh, the yeah. preseason. Um, but he got 115 in this one, including an 80-yard touchdown. I think some high expectations on him after his performance last year. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see him get away for uh, that big, long touchdown. Well, and now with the injuries that that receiving core has got with um, Emmanuel Arsenal out and, and Eugene Lewis out, yeah. like it's just opening the door for him to get more opportunities and more targets and any, yeah, he was only four of eight, but still 115 yards in that long touchdown. Like you said, like he's showing up, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe a little delayed. I, I don't think we were expecting to have to wait till week seven, what we've seen, but I mean, tapes out, yeah. you know, he gets knocked down the depth chart a little bit with those guys coming in. So it makes, it makes it hard for him to get his opportunities, but he's starting to make the most of it now. 
like I said, uh, the the Bombers, not the formidable force on short yardage anymore. It all almost seemed to be a given. It almost seemed to be a given just kind of in the CFL in general. But this year, it is just not a, a sure thing <laughs> because the game started with uh, the Elk stuffing the mm-hmm. Bombers on a, a short yardage play. And uh, it happened again later in the game. So even though Dakota Prukop is back, uh, struggling with that uh, that short yardage play here, and that kept Edmonton in it. So they had opportunities with decent field position and forcing those kind of turnovers. Like Edmonton did, if I'm not wrong here, they won the turnover battle at 3-2 or something like that mm-hmm. and still lost. The, oh, it ended up being tied. I think Cornelius at the end of the game threw that interception just kind yeah. of thrown up there. But the Elks defense, they, they've mm-hmm. struggled taking the ball away. They did in this one, and it just wasn't enough. And then it ends up, I think, being the defining moment. We've seen this so many times with Winnipeg. It was the fourth quarter. Uh, It was 21-14 for the Bombers, so the Elks very much still in it. And then the Bombers, nine plays, 89 yards, 617 (laughs) off the clock. Uh, When that happens to you and they gave it, let's see here. Brady Oliveira, rush for 18 yards. Brady Oliveira, rush for eight yards. Another eight yards for him. And then he rushes again for eight yards. Rushes again for 10 yards. Gets another two yards. And then it ends at a Rasheed Bailey touchdown. Thanks to my fantasy team having... Uh, Brady Oliveira on there, but uh, that was the Brady drive, and when that happens to your defense, you know they're going to run at you and you can't mm-hmm. stop it. That's uh, demoralizing, and you know the Bombers weren't going to let that lead slip away like last week. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I think they, they figured something out, and they mentioned that on the broadcast too with how it seemed not like they abandoned the run, but they kind of were holding on to it because it was such a close game. Yeah. And in that fourth quarter, once they had a two touchdown lead, it was, it just, or the one touchdown lead, I guess it just made like, just give it Brady Oliver the ball. It wasn't like they abandoned it. They just saved it for later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, and it works out. And I mean, Edmonton continually shoots himself in the foot. It seems whether it's Cornelius or, or ball security that we've seen them have issues with stuff like that. And yeah, they hung around, but going into a fourth quarter, this Winnipeg team still has that fourth quarter motor. Yeah. And just seem to put games away. And so you have to you have to be firing all cylinders late in the game. Yeah. And what kind of stuck out to me here as well was uh I, I know the Elks gave up a, a big play, by the way, uh no, the Bombers gave up the big play to Mitchell, but the Elks gave up the big play to Dembski as well. They were both on yeah. a double move. That seems yeah. to be the phrase of the week in the CFL. Dembski alone down the middle burned them a few times. Dembski himself uh, must have benefited from Kenny Not the King. Not even Aaron Grimes could stop that. <laughs> he must have benefited from Kenny the King Lawler coming back because Dembski had some space out there. He had a 70-yard TD, 115 yards himself, but Kenny Lawler comes back, nine targets, seven catches, 93 yards, including an incredible catch that maybe wouldn't have counted if Chris Jones threw the challenge flag, but the Bombers knew it, and they ran that play pretty quickly to keep that one in the books. That just shows that, like, with that coaching staff, Zach Claros, that veteran O-line, they know what's up. Zach is obviously he's the leader out there and he gets that team to the line so yeah. quick and they snap that ball. And, and I mean, what did they have 10 seconds maybe to look at that catch? And, and I mean, you could tell from one look at it that it wasn't a catch, but mm-hmm. it still wasn't enough time for Jones to get the challenge flag out. And I guess I just want to mention, I was puzzled by Edmonton's strategy with the short kickoffs. Uh, Janarian Grant's not playing. Uh, Jamal Parker Hey, great athlete. He's back there returning kicks, but he's not Janarian Grant. And Edmonton kept giving them great field position because they weren't kicking it deep. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> it's the puzzling stuff uh with and the Edmonton Elks. Speaking of special teams. Sims almost gave up another route. He almost did. Like, and that was right at the end of the uh, first half, I think. Yeah, yeah, right at the uh, right at the half. Castillo mix, misses that field goal, and <laughs> the guy that just doesn't get it. Calero sacked twice. 
was under pressure a lot. Still, 20 of 24, an interception and mm-hmm. two touchdowns. Uh, and uh, he was happy to have the king back in the lineup. Dalton Schoen ended up leaving the game banged up, but he still had two for 42. And uh, we talked about Dembski and Lawler. As for Edmonton, it was really Dylan Mitchell and I guess maybe Kyron Moore, who had 43 yards. But Kevin Brown, he had uh, 11 carries for 51 yards. Brady Oliveira. You think that's bad? Wait till we get to the rider stats. Yeah. <laughs> Brady Oliveira, uh, over six yards of carry, 17 for 110. And I guess, again, credit to Willie Jefferson. His uh, mm-hmm. big season continues. He had two knockdowns in a sack in this one. So he's the only player to ever do get 60 and 60 in a career, knockdowns and sacks. Houston with his sixth pick of the year. I think he's five, but he still has the most takeaways with his fumble recovery. And he's got three fumble recoveries. Like, (laughs) this is getting ridiculous in Winnipeg. Right now, either one of those two could could be your uh, defensive player nominee coming out of that team. So, like, you go up against that. I mean, in the end, I mean, even the rookie that has come, that came in when Houston got hurt, they kept him in the lineup. He's on the other side. Like, He's been playing really well. Like, there's just nowhere to throw the ball in that secondary. That Cameron Lawson, who had the interception on the D line for the Bombers, just mm-hmm. get that guy on the panel. Like he has the halftime yeah, he interview. He did their job. Yeah, they they could have just shut down for halftime and just. <laughs> He's already better than Chaz. <laughs> just play the Seven Eleven commercials over and over and have a nap, and uh, there you go. Hey, did you uh, know that Burger King has butter chicken now? Yes, <laughs> butter. Yeah. That, <laughs> Also, I don't know if it's infuriating or catchy or both. I don't know. uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, Speaking of Chez, they brought up because G Roy is in Edmonton now. They brought up. I wanted to ask you that. Is he usually on the sideline? Like that's the first time I've seen it. But I mean, I'm watching games on PVR and fast forwarding stuff, and so it's I I could easily miss it. He seemed like he met business down there. Yeah. Oh, he was not happy with some stuff. (laughs) Uh, What BC start that? What BC start 2011? 0-5? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then Sanchez got hurt and they turned it around. (laughs) Yeah, they threw that shade on him on the broadcast. (laughs) Yeah. And then yeah, that was the only good thing Glenn Suter said all week. Uh, we move on uh, to Friday Night Football where the Toronto Argonauts beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats 31-15. Now, here's the deal. Uh, it was 20 nothing Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. And it was the first career start for Taylor Powell. I didn't think he was bad. He, he was against maybe the toughest defense in the CFLs. 27 of 41, 282 yards. Yes, there was the interception that was probably going to go right to Royce Mechie. It gets deflected up. Duke deflects mm-hmm. it again, and then Jamal Parker takes it to the house. Then it's called back on a penalty. But, by the way, <laughs> the Ticats take it too many men. Later in the game, the Argos take it too many. But that was like, the guys are running off. And, yeah. But the Ticats probably saw an opportunity there and snapped the ball. But uh, the Ticats, I think they're coaching. Steinauer's getting... Uh, Questioned a lot in mm-hmm. uh, Tiger Town, especially in a Grey Cup year. A lot of hope this year going into it, and it's. Just, I, think, I think that's all gone. Yeah, Toronto's going to go in there in November and win another one. Now, okay, here's the thing: there was a big fear in Regina that the Bombers would leave Grey Cup champions in yeah. their stadium. Now, <laughs> but got, is that the only game that the Bombers have lost in Regina, like in Mosaic? In, 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 in Mosaic New Stadium, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Labor Day 2019, we were there. Oh, yeah, the, the kick at the end. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Crushing chicken wings. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, oh, the Ticat fans do not want to see that happen. But, but the, I'm sure a lot of them don't like me right now anyway. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> it didn't start well for the Thai Cats. Uh, Toronto mm-hmm. takes the ball, and next thing you know, it is seven uh, nothing. Uh, right off the bat, the Argos drive it down the field and hit Dijon Brissett for a 50-yarder, and then that ends in a touchdown. And uh, the Thai Cats are just thinking, here we go. 
again, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what? The defense, <sighs> they end up getting the ball again in the second quarter, uh, takes the drive, and uh, look, hits Curly Gittens. That was the Curly Gittens drive. We haven't seen much from him uh, this season. He had a 15-yard catch there. He had an 18-yard catch. He had a 17-yard catch and a 9-yard catch for the touchdown. So Curly Gittins uh, showing up here uh, week 7 of the season. And then it's 14-0 Toronto. Next thing you know, Taylor Powell throws an interception. <laughs> and then DeVaris Daniels gets hit for a touchdown. It is 20-0 after the extra point uh, was missed by Boris Beattie. But then you, you thought things could have got really ugly there, but the Argo offense kind of stalled at that point, but the Ticats yeah. couldn't finish drives. That was the difference there. Yeah, I mean, you're not – it's really hard to win games just on field goals alone um, unless you're playing the Elks. But, <laughs> you know, this Toronto team is just putting up ungodly numbers every week, it seems. That's now back-to-back for your games for Chad Kelly – uh, like you said, Curly Gittins Jr. has a nice week, six of nine for, for 69. sixty-nine yards. That's game of the year, maybe. That he's yeah, give that give him MOP right now. <laughs> um, you know, but they're they're getting on the same page, which is just another weapon. He's been hitting Navarre Daniels here the last couple of weeks. Uh, AJ Let only ten rushes, only two catches, but I mean, once once Hamilton started to kind of mount that little bit of a comeback. Not that they had to abandon the run, but Toronto had to make sure they stayed in front. And and the run, I mean, they were averaged eight point four, but I mean, that's only on ten, so there's a couple big ones in there. But well, the Argos were focusing on James Butler and Tim White, and uh, they combined for fourteen yards. Like, yeah. Uh, well, Butler had some receiving yards that kind of saved his day if you had him in fantasy, but eight carries for fourteen yards. And the long rush was eight. So mm-hmm. he had seven carries for six yards other than the one eight-yard rush. And that's not even the worst rushing performance of the week. Oh, no. It's going to yeah. be in the next game, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it is. Tim White had four targets, no catches. Uh, mm-hmm. So that Argo defense limiting uh, some of the biggest weapons for the Cats, And that ended up being... The uh, the difference here, but the Tie Cats they, they kind of hung around, and I, I don't know if that's really Toronto just laying off the gas, or maybe the the defense decided they were in a game a little bit, but mm. they uh, they really just shut. Although some silly penalties, I thought in this one. Now I thought that the okay the unnecessary roughness on uh, Chad Kelly when Jameer Thurman kind of. Yeah, that was warranted, I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was second and short on the goal line, and then you give Toronto a first down. Well. Yeah, good luck. And then I don't know if you saw the unnecessary roughness that Brandon Brevenberg, or Revenberg took, I'm sorry. He, uh, they were on the two. He takes the 15-yarder. Now they're back to the 17, and the Ticats had to settle for a field goal there. That was mm-hmm. uh, in the fourth quarter. It ended up being 23-9 Hamilton at that point, or Toronto at that point, know. but an opportunity for the Ticats to claw a little bit closer. And ah, that unnecessary roughness, come on. <laughs> Kicky tack. Yeah, but I guess if it's after the play and a guy's just standing around and you push him over, they're going to call that uh, every single time. But then the Ticats keep hanging around. Not much going on for Toronto. And then in the fourth quarter, about three, uh, five minutes left. Taylor Powell rushes right for 13 yards. It is 23-15 for the Argos. Opportunity still for the Ticats. And apparently Taylor Powell, not a good scrambler, not a good rusher of the football is what they were preaching at the start of the game and then the pregame show there. And then, yeah, he busts off that to the corner of the end zone. Yeah, he he actually had a uh, nine-yard rush earlier in that drive too. So Mm -hmm. uh, good for him there. But how do the Argos respond? Six plays, 73 yards, and a uh, Chad Kelly touchdown, 29-15. That was the uh, 
end of the game there. There ended up being a touchback later on to make it 31-15, but the, the Argos respond when just when you thought the Ticats hadn't had an opportunity, mm-hmm. they just uh, crush you down the field and <laughs> seal the win and take that victory out of Tigertown, and they've beat the Ticats twice early on in this yeah. young season. Yeah, this team is, I mean, they're now 5-0. and I think it's the first time since 1960. The CFL was only in its third season at that point. They didn't even make the Grey Cup that year. So maybe I am getting a little ahead of myself, putting the cart before the horse, or putting the horse before the or cart before the horse. But um, that that last touchdown drive for Toronto, that the response, you know, that, yeah. that's a birdie after making a double bogey. That's just getting right back up. Um, it kind of seals it. Like Hamilton, they were able to just their defense is just so good. I, like we don't talk about it enough. I don't think like they've got some player, they got some athletes on that defensive side of the ball, and you know, throwing against them isn't easy. That that front seven, like they they can disguise so much stuff. They'll show, or they don't even have to disguise it sometimes, and you still can't stop it. Uh, you know, and with Mechie, Mechie in that uh, safety position, I mean, it's just it's not fair. Well, and they also had some injuries on uh, the defensive line. Uh, Thomas Costigan, mm-hmm. Sean Oakman not playing, but in comes to the game is Jared Brinkman. And man, he had him. I think he did take a, a penalty at one point, uh, but he he played great. And obviously, the Ticats couldn't run the ball at all. And I think maybe they no. they thought they had a chance here. But the depth on that uh, uh, front seven that the Argos have, it's just fierce. Jared Brinkman had two mm-hmm. uh, tackles for a loss in this one. <laughs> well, and and you know they. They'll send three guys or four guys, and they're making it hell on quarterbacks. There's so many guys drop back in coverage, yeah. And those three or four guys are still getting pressures, yeah. And then when they do send the house, it, it's just it's a cluster f in the backfield because that pocket collapses so damn fast when, when they do blitz. So that's why I thought uh, Powell against that defense, all things considered, not so bad. And oh. the, the Ticat offensive line, I don't think has performed to expectations. Uh, this season, the Argos, by the way, 12 rushing touchdowns this year. They had nine last year. And what was and only it? Only one from a running back? Yeah. They well, only got four from Chad Kelly. How many does... Uh, Olette had uh, three in one game against Edmonton, I believe. So, <laughs> Yeah. And, well, and Kelly had three against Hamilton in the first game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're on pace to score 43 rushing touchdowns. Uh, the club record is 26. Uh, 97? 96. Uh, oh. Still those Doug Flutie Argonauts. Yeah, it's not, uh, that was not fair. <laughs> uh, Basically ben, cheating. Ben Grant uh, posting those stats on uh, 3downnation.com when he's wrapping up uh, Toronto's victory against the Ticats. Now the Cats have a tough schedule coming up here. And (laughs) all of a sudden, I mean, a a few weeks ago, playing Ottawa didn't seem so bad. Well, Mm -hmm. now the Ticats have those red blacks. And now it doesn't seem like a good position for them. They're already two and four. The red blacks are three and three. After that, the Ticats play the Alouettes, who's not an easy assignment. And uh, then they have a bye, and then they play Edmonton. And who knows <laughs> what that's going to mean. <laughs> they need to get uh, probably two out of these next three, I would say. Three. Yeah, you can't go into that Edmonton. You don't want to go into that Edmonton game having like yeah the chance of going one and two if you beat Edmonton. Yeah. You need yeah. to go in there one and one. Uh, get back to 500 and start building up from there because, I mean, Ottawa's better. Montreal, like you said, is not an easy task either. Um, the way the way Ottawa played today was, I thought, was ridiculously good, especially the, the crumb is, crumb has it. Whatever it is, he, he has it. He does. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're Hamilton, you, you're going to, you can't, you can't fall very much farther behind mm-hmm. because, like you said, Coach O is getting questioned now. It's a great cup year. You got to at least be a playoff team. 
you got to at least give yourself a shot because if you don't, I think the whole thing blows up. Now the Argos are preparing uh, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Touchdown Atlantic. Now the Riders go into BC Place and they lose 19-9. Here's the thing, Ty. This is not a game I would want to be lining up behind center in. Both quarterbacks were under fire for the majority of the game. Vernon Adams Jr. gets hurt early on. He dropped back to pass five times. He got hit four times and ended up leaving with a knee injury. Farhan Lalji reporting on Sunday that it's not serious. He doesn't seem to have any ligament damage. He may sit against Edmonton this weekend in Edmonton, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be season ending or anything like that. So that's good yeah. news. And that also goes to show why they probably weren't too eager to trade Dane Evans anywhere because yeah. like it or not, and like him or not, he's got some experience and uh, yeah. that seems to be a valuable thing to have at number two in the CFL. And, and you know, having one quarterback play all 18 games and, and get you to, a championship or 17 games if you got it clinched to give him a rest day or and or a game off like those days are it's that's rare it's yeah, rare now yeah. like it's a two quarterback league we, they talk about it all the time you know so you have to have that depth and and Dane Evans is out there yeah like could they have traded, traded him yeah but the return they would have got would have been way worse than just keeping him in and you know having the depth that is needed to, to compete, especially in that West division. Because if you like the riders are going to be in tough now mm-hmm. and so is Calgary. Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta keep, gotta keep pace. And, and if you fall too far behind, because you have lackluster quarterback play, it, it's a hell of a mountain to climb. And uh, you could tell that the lions were just kind of demoralized when it happened. Uh, even Dane Evans at the half. I thought that was pretty uh, kind of, classy you know uh, they're asking him about how he's feeling and he he really didn't he only wanted to talk about va and that that kind of just goes to show the kind of guy he is in the cfl and in that locker room i think it's pretty evident that he is like you know that ultimate teammate yeah yeah you never heard a bad word Mm -hmm. muttered or said about him from from former teammates Early on, uh, it was in the first quarter where uh, Dane Evans engineered a seven-play, 94-yard drive that ended in a touchdown that put the Lions in the lead in the first quarter. That beautiful 27-yard touchdown pass to Alexander Hollins there, who seemed to be playing with a chip on his shoulders. hes I don't know what it was. He was pretty fired up after that touchdown, though. Uh, but through the rest of the game, this is... I, the rider defense, I think, played the game they, were they needed to to keep yep. them in this game. The Lions couldn't run at all. Uh, actually, no. I just saw Jamal Morrow's stats, but <laughs> <laughs> neither team had a rushing attack in this one. No. Uh, Sean Shivers getting his second start for the Lions. Ten carries, twenty-one yards on my then, fantasy roster. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, and then later in the game, a holding. Let's talk call. about his rece- Let's talk about his receiving yards. I know. And, and then later in the game, that rushing touchdown wiped off the board yeah. by a holding penalty. That doesn't help. Uh, minus eight receiving yards. On three catches. So, wow. So, <laughs> I'm trying to, is that 2.2 points for receiving? Something like that? Minus eight. Yep. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, point per, it's a PPR. And there were a few times where uh, him and Evans, uh, they, they couldn't really yeah. lock up on the, uh, receiving for some reason, what whatever was going on there, but uh, <laughs> the Ryder defensive front. A couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of talk that these guys aren't getting enough pressure on mm-hmm. the quarterback, and really, they they made it look like the BC offensive line was struggling. Yeah, I mean, collapsing pocket, collapsing the pocket, getting to the quarterback, and and even if they weren't getting sacks. They were getting in his face. Arms were up, yeah. making like they made Dan Evans' life a living hell all night. They did, um, and that secondary was flying around. 
like when he did throw, I mean, it was, it was hard. I mean, you do have that, that Holland's touchdown, but other than that, like the explosive play just wasn't there. Like you see, or we have seen with this team, like lucky whitehead shut Mm -hmm. down Keon Hatcher, 74 yards on, on four catches. But I mean, nothing like no, none of that big plays that were used. Maybe we got spoiled last year with Nathan Rourke. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Vern Adams able to move the pocket around. He's so mobile. Dane Evans, a little bit different type of a quarterback, and it just seemed the Riders just feasted. Or that, Dom, that, that, especially the secondary, like they were just everywhere. And Dom Rhymes being a non-factor in this one was on uh, my on my fantasy oh, roster, and that's big money. That's big money. Yeah, he uh, one catch, two yards, ended up leaving. They're calling it an Achilles injury, but. Anytime you hear that, you kind of get uneasy about it. I guess it's yeah. not serious. He's probably going to be playing, but uh, the Ryder defense ended up having uh, four sacks in this one, including uh, forcing a fumble from Dane Evans. But the BC Lions front was also making it they happen might have been better <laughs> for Mason Fine, and they only had three sacks. Now, I know Matthew Betts. Uh, he was on pace for, what, 32 sacks or something like that. He gets his 10th sack right on the last play of the game, but it counts yeah. uh, for they Matthew count. Betts. Uh, Mason Fine three, sacked three times. Uh, but, man, Ryder Nation's a tough one to figure out. I didn't think he looked bad. It, it was just the game plan, I thought, uh, 32 of 41, 284 yards. It was all just the short stuff. He was taking, mm-hmm. or at least maybe that was the game plan, to get the short passes into the rider receiver's hands and let Take them the get... the ball away from Peters and TJ Lee. <laughs> and let them get yards after the catch. But the Lions defenders were on top of them so fast, there was no yards after the catch. No. So it, I they, think... it, was ra- it was a rally to the football type of yeah. defense. I think for his third to career start, it wasn't bad. No, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. The defense of the defense kept them in the game. That's kind of what we all knew coming in that that's what would have to happen for them to have a shot. Um, two picks. And you see that you see that number and people just instantly think, well, two yeah. picks and no touchdowns. He played like dog crap. Uh, I mean, the other short stuff, it's his third career start. He had a, he had a week, with the number ones, like they're not going to be, he's not going to have that full playbook. He's not, they're not going to be taking a lot of chances. They don't want him to be making those huge mistakes and ruining his confidence. Like they're going to not baby him, but they're going to bring him along. And, you know, this week he'll have, he'll have some more options and, and it'll gradually grow to where, you know, he should be the start. I, I don't see Trevor Harris coming back. So like they got to get rid. They, they got to use all the time they got, they got some bye weeks coming. Like they'll be able to figure this out, and he will get better. I don't, but I don't think he played terrible. Like but the Lions, that's also are, Rider fans. If you lose, it's always on the quarterback. That's true. I mean, the Lions are number one in many defensive categories across the CFL. It's not like you're just playing <laughs> these these pilots. Like these guys yeah. are, they're good. And Ryan Phillips has them ready every yeah. single week to go out there and dominate, whether you're the second or third or fourth string quarterback, the Lions are going to be ready for you. And when you have zero running game, Jamal Morrow, 11, no, 12 carries, 11 yards. 0.8 per carry. And he actually had a six-yard run. So uh, let's do this. I like doing this exercise. Uh, 11 carries for 11 five, carries yards. five yards. <laughs> That's less than half a yard. Yeah, on your young quarterback, let's blame yeah. him. Uh, yeah, for it wasn't the offensive line. Off. It wasn't the offensive line and Jamal Morrow not getting the job done. It was yeah. Mason Fine's fault for everything. Yeah, he's had to peel himself off the carpet a few times in this one, even if he got the ball away. Yes, there mm-hmm. were interceptions, but there's a stretch here. If you look in the second half, <laughs> it's it's this coaching decisions again, right? Right? It's third Which, down, third I mean, and two. The Riders have no no running game. Zero. Yeah. But let's let's run it out of the shotgun. <laughs> yeah. At this point when it's ten six BC. Yeah. They Dickinson's get done at the end of the year. Dickinson's so gone. It's not even funny. 
Well, and they actually ended up getting lucky that the 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 BC drive ended in a field goal because Shivers rushed it for the touchdown, called back mm-hmm. on the holding, holding after that turnover on downs. Yeah, but it does kind of seem Dickinson's kind of coaching desperate. Yeah, it's just making stupid mistakes. You know, fishing the challenge is things old. I'm over it. Like, okay, now. But no, like when he, that, when, it, when they're when they're when they're challenging for, uh, like when it, you know, but when he's just fishing, yeah, I'm just done. But this this roughing the passer, yeah, uh, it's probably one of those things where if they didn't call it, it wouldn't have been called roughing the passer on the challenge. But they probably just let, they didn't have enough evidence to call it back. You know what I mean? But it's a high tackle, yeah. Like forearm goes almost around the neck, drag like drags him down from above the shoulders. Like that that's rough in the passer in my book. So that ended up being a big break, uh, wiping a safety, safety off the board yeah. early in the game for the Riders. But uh, that drive where they went for it on third down, uh, yeah, that was late in the third quarter. The so game then, management from Dickinson has been lacking this year. Well, that was. The Lions come back with a field goal. Next drive, Gary Peters picks off Mason Fine. Mm -hmm. And then the next time, the Riders had the ball picked off by Jalen Edwards-Cooper. So it's three drives in a row that end in a turnover for the Lions. And maybe Mason Fine was also pushing it a little bit after not being able to get the offense going throughout the game. And Dickinson himself was pushing it a little bit. You look at the end of the game where... (laughs) It's third and two, 235 left on the BC 12-yard line. They go for it on third down. They get it. But you make it to the BC five-yard line, third and five, you kick the field goal. So you gained seven yards. You ate a minute. You were down by 10, so you needed a field goal anyway. Yeah. But if you're going to commit to going for it, you need to go for it the second time too. Yeah, they should have kicked the field goal on third down if they were going to kick it from the five-yard line anyway. Because they lost a minute to gain seven yep. yards. Yep. Again, and... game management. It's been awful. Awful for for Craig this year. It's it's brutal. Like I they're they're gonna be hard pressed to finish over five hundred now. And I I if they don't make the playoffs, I don't see him keeping his job. Well, here's an interesting point. Like, I don't want to write them off, but playing the Argos next week, it's not a good situation for the Riders. Nope. Uh, so maybe they're three and four, and then I mean they, they can't they they can't finish last in the West, so they got that going for them. Yeah, which is nice. But other than that, and then they play Ottawa. So Ottawa could be on a three game winning streak coming into that. And then they go to Montreal, a place where the riders always seem to historically struggle. So we, yeah. we both know why. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Now, I know it's three Eastern opponents, but uh, they're both teams that... Uh, Getting hot. Yeah, a lot better than expectations. So yeah. the riders here, like, are they going to stick with Dickinson all year? I, I don't know what his contract status is. Well, he's he's... He's a lame duck coach. Oh, well, then start looking for guys right now. Like, I don't know if a coaching change in the season turns things around without Trevor Harris there. Yeah. Um, But it's just, it. I there's no way. I just don't see, unless they win out and and they go on an unbelievable tear, I just don't see him keeping his job. It just doesn't make any sense. Really conservative play calling by the Riders in this one. Remember five minutes left in the game? It's uh, second and five, and they ran it from shotgun where, <laughs> look, I don't know if you're trying to surprise the Lions in something that you had no success yeah. doing all game long. Um, but the Rider defense kept him in this one. Also, the onside punt where Evan Johnson forced the fumble on Marcus Sales kept him in this. But uh, that Lions defense, uh, they're no joke. And uh, the the Ryder offense clearly struggled getting through and making anything happen. Although, I mean, 
If you had Sean Bain in your lineup, you got what seventeen point four points, something like that. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, seventeen point four. Tevin Jones, ten, ten of ten. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. Tevin Jones, seven of ten, seventy-five yards. Uh, Mitch Picton had sixteen yards, including he got smoked. He got rocked. He did. And you could see when the, the, the camera on him walking up the field and he exhaled. You're like, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's feeling it. And yeah. I thought maybe that's <laughs> – there was a couple moments in that second and five. I think – I, I kind of wonder if they gave it to Morrow because I think Fine got smoked the play before too. Mm. And they're like, well – But he only got 20 seconds. Like he <laughs> This drive's a loss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keon Hatcher, 74 yards. Alexander Hollins, 56 yards and a touchdown. And uh, uh, Dane Evans, 16 to 25, 219 yards, a touchdown and an interception. All of a sudden, Ty, <laughs> the Lions preventing or trying to force the Elks into the world record of professional sports, a home losing streak is on Dane Evans' shoulders. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it doesn't feel like a sure thing. It does, though. It is. Because <laughs> you know who Edmonton's going to start? Taylor Cornelius. And yeah. he's, it's not going to matter. Man. I feel man. like at this point, we could be the quarterback for who's ever going into Edmonton <laughs> to play them. The game of the week ended up being the Sunday evening showdown between the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, the Red Blacks always play Calgary tough, mm-hmm. and they did again. Uh, for the second week in a row, the Red Blacks win in overtime, 43-41. This is the year of the overtime, it feels like. Well, for the second home game in a row for the Stampeders, they lose in overtime mm-hmm. themselves. Um, Jake Mayer had his game of the week last week or of the year against Saskatchewan last week and this week. I guess he kind of upped the ante, although a costly pick six. Yeah, maybe the difference here. Still twenty eight of thirty eight for four hundred and fifty with those four touchdowns and yeah, two picks. But I mean, four hundred and fifty yards and you lose that football game that hurts. Yeah, a career high, obviously. Yeah. Uh, for Jake Mayer, but man, I, I, I don't think, I didn't see the game quite going this way with the Red Blacks giving up that much through the air, and I, I know they did force a turnover, but uh, that's a bit different than what we've seen uh, from the Calgary offense early on this mm-hmm. season, but they themselves didn't have much of a running game, only giving the ball to Diedrich Mills uh, six times. The, the strategy clearly was uh, to get Jake Mayer throwing the ball. Which, I mean, 38 is a, it's a lot, but it's not a lot. You know, it's not one of those numbers we look at and you're like, yeah, oof. that's true. But, I mean, had to get Mark and Michelle going at some point. You know, the first, the first looks we saw of him didn't, didn't really – Contribute my fantasy know. lineup. Yeah, not mine. <laughs> but then you got like you know, Mark Barnes. Like they they have they had four guys that had double digits in points at the receiver position. They they got the weapons still. Uh, Bagleton, Barnes, Odom, Stukes, and Michelle. I mean, you got to spread that ball out. And there's only one of them, only one football to throw. So you, you got to start airing it out. And I mean, if Diedrich Mills. Is not a bad running back, but he is not uh, Kadeem Carey. And I think with Kadeem Carey in that offense, it's completely different. Com- entirely different. And, and they could still have those receiving numbers. Yeah. And, and but I think Kadeem would be putting up, you know, still 10 to 15 carries and close to 100 yards. Clark Barnes, what a beautiful 54-yard touchdown Mm -hmm. to start the scoring for the Stampeders. They took a 6-3 lead because uh, Paredes ended up missing the uh, extra point there. Uh, Later on, he ends up achieving uh, a milestone, 2,000 career points, puts him into uh, 10th all-time in the CFL. Doesn't it go to show you how good McCallum and uh, Pisaglia were. They were, yeah, that's ridiculous. Louis almost has, well, just under 2,000 points on Paredes still. 
Yeah. Which is absolutely insane. Uh, I don't think he's going to get there simply because for the past few years, time. Paredes has kind of been like, well, am I going to play another year or not? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely incredible uh, for Louie and a good job for Rene Paredes for making it to that um, uh, milestone in his career. But this was just sort of a back and forth game. All game long, mm-hmm. and what a fun game to watch. And a big part of that, obviously, was uh, uh, the pick six from Brandon Dandridge, who, look, I know I, I love Dustin Crumb, but Dandridge has had a great year uh, mm-hmm. for the Red Blacks, valuable in the returns. He had a return touchdown a couple weeks he's ago. He's got three touchdowns, and he's a defensive back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a performance from uh, Brandon yeah. Dandridge so far uh, this season. But we got to talk Dustin Crumb. You said you don't know what it is, but he looks like he has it. And it's not to say, look, and I know we talk about other quarterbacks struggling when they're under pressure. It's not to say that he wasn't under pressure in this oh, game. But it feels either. like he thrives under it because he's so mobile. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, when Masoli comes back at some point, if it's a big, if I think like, I don't know, like it almost yeah. feels like he could walk away. Um, But let's say Masoli's healthy or comes back and he's fine and he plays again and he starts and he's the, the Jeremiah Masoli of old and he saves this franchise. Like he was like, was predicted he would, that he was the number one guy now. And that was what it was. What can you get for Dustin Crumb? Does he want to leave? Like you can go. I think a team, like Edmonton would want to take a run at him. I think you got to hang on to him. I, I right now, absolutely. Until you know what's going on with Jeremiah Masoli, Dustin Crumb's your guy. It's a hard decision. But could but... you? Yeah, but could you imagine, like, if Masoli would have been healthy this whole year, Crumb's just on yeah, the bench. Yeah, you, you never get to see this. That's the thing. Like injuries just give guys opportunities, and you know they. Edmonton might have been looking and been like, you know, they might have seen something from him that they liked at some point. So who knows? And and he could it could be a totally different story. But just Calgary kind of had him figured out. Cameron Judge, like, he even finally realized you got to spy him. As far as the and running goes, Judge, I mean, yeah, Judge was all, and he still had sixty three. He did. <laughs> He did, uh, but I mean, in the past two games, I think he had uh, 200 mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. So uh, 63, I guess, is kind of a success yeah. uh, <laughs> for holding Crumb to that. But, I mean, if you're Ottawa, I mean, you the guy you trade to Edmonton, it might be Masoli. Like, it, it yeah. almost feels like deja vu for Jeremiah, where he gets hurt and Dane Evans comes in, leads the team to the Grey Cup. I'm not saying that Ottawa's going to go to the Grey Cup. They might, but... Uh, no, they'll lose the East final. <laughs> that's kind of what happened with Jeremiah and Hamilton. He goes down mm-hmm. and the backup comes in and thrives, and that's what we're seeing here in Ottawa. And I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but, man, he, 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 even if uh, he... <laughs> Doesn't you know take the team to the promised land? He's certainly fun to watch, and yeah. that that's the thing. I like his style. I like the fact that he runs. I like the toughness he displays. But but that could get hits. him hurt too. Yes, and Micah Alway. And look, you can argue what you like about putting the head down, and but I. I think you're a ball carrier at that point. Yeah. Sort of challenge roughing the pass or maybe you get called for unnecessary roughness or whatever, but he didn't get the call. Uh, that That's the that's the fact of the matter. You don't want to see your quarterback taking those hits on a regular basis. Yeah. Especially, like, I just think the league doesn't want to see yeah. that with, with, the, with the lack of, of starting quarterbacks left. That started that started the year right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild. Mm-hmm. Well, and he ended up getting smashed uh, late in the game. It was I think the where he hit Nate Bahar for the twenty three yard touchdown with a minute twenty six left in the game. He mm-hmm. got hit on that one, and he got hit yeah. low, which sometimes those can end up pretty bad. So even if he is getting hit, and 
I think the hit caused him to underthrow it a little bit, but Napahar mm-hmm. adjusting, getting the uh, touchdown there to put the Red Blacks in the lead. Of course, much like last week, the Stampeders were given time to drive down the field. The Riders gave them the time uh, to drive down the field. They did so the same in this one. Uh, the Stampeders got the ball with a minute 20 left. Uh, they go 38 yards. They kick the field goal to tie at 35-35. Yeah, there was a lot of plays being made in this game to go to overtime. 84 tied at points. 84 points in this one. You love Safe to, to say it at the over. Yeah. <laughs> you love to see it, but how big are defensive touchdowns, man? Like, mm-hmm. just look at the the stamps. Well, and and the rushing yards help for the Red Blacks. A hundred and eighty-four rushing yards, two fifty-seven through the air. The stamps thirty-eight. Rushing yards, 450 yeah. through the air. That 38 rushing yards, you probably would have liked to see them uh, utilize that a little bit more to take some time off the clock. And but it's tough, though, when you got, you know, Lang and... Yeah, they're uh, hard to run against. Like Ottawa... that, that, that defensive line, like you have Malden and Lang there. Like You got two guys that are just, they're beasts on yeah. that defensive line. And yeah, yeah, it's not fun. And, and yeah, you want to kill clock, but you also want to gain yards. And if you're going second and eight and yeah. hunting on third and seven, you're only killing so much clock. Mm-hmm. You can't get that first down. So we get to overtime here. And uh, I mean, Jake Mayer sort of does the job. Uh, <laughs> get a touchdown to Trey Odom's Dukes, but they don't get the two point conversion of course a rule in cfl overtime justin or dustin crum goes to work lee trey gets the touchdown who else gets the two point conversion nate nathaniel bahar nate the great <laughs> gets that td not only does he take the lead for them late in the fourth quarter he gets the win on the two point conversion at the end of the game there Nate Bahar, man, eight catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he had 10 targets. A lot of times they've started going his way in those tough situations, whether yeah. it's second down or uh, I, I guess now it's the end of the game when they want to win, well, they go his way. They got that first down before the touchdown, too, to Lee Trey. Yeah. And that was Nate Bahar mm-hmm. on second and medium-ish, I guess. I think it was second and eight or something. Yeah. Nate Bahar sits down in his zone. Crumb fires it in, and then boom, they're in the end zone next play. Justin Hardy was uh, Ottawa's leading receiver. Seven catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Acklin had some big catches. Five catches, 60 yards. and uh, Him and Crumb are starting to get on the same page a little bit are. now. Yep, yep. Crumb had the 63 yards rushing, but Devontae Williams had 57 yards rushing himself. And then Lee Trey with 35 yards on the ground, but the big... Two touchdowns. Lee Trey playing his old team, the Calgary Stampeders, and he made them pay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they talked about it where he can come into the set as a fullback blocker, all that stuff. But he's been, they were involving him more because, I mean, it's kind of a revolving door right now at running back. It feels like for, for Ottawa until they get some health back and everybody's kind of back and ready to go. Um, and teams aren't really expecting Milanovich Lee to be coming out of the backfield carrying the football either. Mm-hmm. So you can catch teams by surprise a little bit that way too. Uh, Clark Barnes, five catches, 87 yards, a TD. Reggie Bagleton, seven for 80. Trey Odoms, Duke, six for 101 and a touchdown. Mark and Michelle, four catches, 134 yards, two touchdowns, 95-yard touchdown. Like he says... I'm back <laughs> with authority. And just like that, like, yeah, Calgary lost this game, but it just feels like they're going to get hot and it's not going to be fun for the other teams in that division. Well, look, and I think I was going to say this earlier, like Crum had success, obviously, and other quarterbacks, we kind of, I feel like I give them a pass because of the amount of pressure we're under. They're under, but Crum was getting smashed, and he got sacked five times. 
So it's not as if Calgary's defensive line laid down have success. Yeah. They had a lot of success, and that's saying something considering they they gave up 43 points. And I know <laughs> yeah. s- seven of them was the Dandridge uh, touchdown, but th- the Calgary D-line, they played really well in this one. Yeah, and I mean, that's one. that's been one of their strengths, it, I feel. Like, yeah, they have, they've had good secondaries, but it starts with that front mm-hmm. getting it. Like, it just helps your, your secondary so much, mm-hmm. uh, getting the pressures. And like you said, five sacks, and like you're beating the hell out of a quarterback at that point. And, and how many knockdowns and, and, and pressures did they have? Mm-hmm. Not just including the sacks. So, yeah, to take a beating and, and keep just getting up like Dustin Crum did shows, shows a lot about him. But I mean, Calgary's defense, like, they keep playing like that. They're like these. There's no reason they should have lost this game. They lost this game because Crum just somehow figured out a way to win. The defense with that with the pick six was huge, and the, Calgary but, even had a blocked punt. So uh, yeah, but I mean, you you get the defense playing like this. I know they gave up 43 points, but you know it. That's I think that's kind of an anomaly with the with the amount of pressures and sacks that they're mm-hmm. able to get. And, you get your defense doing that and you throw for 450 yards, you shouldn't be losing that football game, but it's, that's the CFL, man. That's the CFL. I love it. Uh, Titus Wall, 11 tackles uh, for the Stampeders. That's not, not always the best thing when a DB is uh, making that many tackles. Yeah. Means uh, he gave up a lot of catches. Yeah. <laughs> Damon Webb, seven tackles for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, just a beautiful game to watch. In, especially uh, in especially if you bet on Ottawa before kickoff. <laughs> You're Just a saying. happy guy. <laughs> yeah, if my pick em picks would have saved, I would be 4-0 this week. Wow. I, I, went in, I went in just to double check on Thursday after the game had kicked off. I'm like, uh-oh. So I had, to, <laughs> I had to make all my other picks. I changed to Ottawa about 3.30 this afternoon. So for me, man, I uh, I just thought, I'm like, Crumb's not doing it again in overtime. I'm like, <laughs> and then he did it. Yeah. And then, and then he did it. He's went full DX on you. <laughs> I think another note uh, I just want to mention about the stamps, that Tommy Lee Lewis is electric. I know he only mm-hmm. had two catches for seven yards. I think he had another big play called back on called a penalty. Uh, but he, he ended up having five punt returns for 89 yards. When you got an average of just under 18 on uh, punt mm-hmm. returns, look, he did well. I, that's an, I know I didn't mention it last game, but the BC Lions limiting a guy like Mario Alford, that was big for them. This Tommy Lee Lewis, I think he's going to be a guy to watch for the Stampeders mm-hmm. going forward the rest of the year, and I, I kind of wonder if they should put him on kick returns as well as yeah. uh, punt returns. And he's, but, and he's getting some looks in the offensive yeah. side as well. Yeah. So they're not just – it's not a Mario Alford situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, I do apologize for the lighting because uh, the lights burnt out. I don't have any light bulbs, so I was going to say you're just the consummate homeowner. Just know how to do everything. Can't change light bulb. <laughs> Ty, who are the fantasy leaders in Week Seven? Uh, when it comes to quarterbacks, no surprise with Jake Mayer and Dustin Crum leading the way. Uh, Mayer's Crum leading the way. Uh, Mayer's. 450 yards. He had 31. Dustin Crum, 28.6. Chad Kelly, 28. Uh, Cody Fajardo didn't play this week. So then it's Taylor Powell with 19. Zach Kalaros in fifth with 18.3. Taylor Cornelius had a better week than Dane Evans and Mason Fine. Wow. So it's not all bad in Edmonton, but it's still pretty <laughs> bad. Nitre uh, led the way for running backs with 15.5. Oliveira, 14. Butler, 13.2. Tyreek McAllister had 12. Oh, that seems like a typo. I could be wrong. Um, AJ Olette and Devontae Williams uh, rounded that out. And then when it comes to receivers, I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, it's also Ottawa and Calgary heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mark and Michelle, 29.4, led the way. Nate Bahar, Justin Hardy right behind him. Nick Dembski, uh, then Trainums Dukes, Dylan Mitchell, uh, Clark Barnes, and then Gittins, Tavares Daniels, and Sean Bain are your top 10. Barring uh, stats corrections, which we seem to have every single week uh, with the new CFL fantasy game, I had a hundred and twenty-five point week. Oh my god! <laughs> Led by uh, Chad Kelly and Mark and Michelle, 
Um, I also I had Brady, Brady Oliveira and uh, uh, AJ Olette. So, I mean, I was okay. Uh, I'll, but, I will read you my roster and you you predict how many points you think I got. Okay. The Argos D, Kalaros, Shivers, McAllister, Schoen, David Unger, and Dominique Rams. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> before the games, I'm like, hey, that's a great lineup. Yeah. I'm going to say about 42. 58 and a half. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I guess I took out the uh, captaincy. Who was your oh, captain? Kalaros. Oh, okay. So if we take double his points away? Yeah, so he'd have 18. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd have 40 and a half. <laughs> That's a rough week. Uh, and man. I'm the one with the freaking Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, but again, like sometimes you look on paper, you're like, this is an all-star team I'm yeah. putting on the field. Well, I'm like, I'm like well, Tyreek McCallister get into the offense. Yeah. Turn another kick. Unger has been getting used. Dom Rhymes, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about these stats corrections. I think I got a win in the CFL podcast fantasy league over Trey from uh, the Canadian football countdown. I go. Polaris was my only double digit player. Oh, ouch. Ouch. My, ouch, ouch. And then, uh, yeah, Dalton Schoen was 6.2 and he was my highest guy. Oh, that is week seven in uh, the <laughs> Canadian football yeah. league. Uh, what a week it was. You can rate, review, subscribe to Tune Out on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube as well, and support Seb the Straka, show. On- uh, Seb Straka, top 20, paid 468 bucks this morning. Oh! <laughs> I lost half of it on the Jays. Oh, of course you did. Because I bet against them. You only talk about the wins. Oh, you bet against them, and then they won. I took Manoa to give up over four and a half hits to give up over two and a half earned runs uh, to not record the win and for him to record the first strikeout and then freaking George Kirby strikes out first hurts it bad thanks George yeah. <laughs> I'm Travis Curry he's Brazilian Ty you can support us on Patreon and uh, I will talk to you later this week to get you ready for week eight of the CFL season. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.